on this week's episode, Star Trek makes a return to its lower decks. Marvel asks a new question in What If? And are moviegoers ready for a free guy? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. The returning Inside Sports Fantasy Football, which we just posted our Season 3 premiere on, on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, Game Source, and the Lakers Fast Break, it is sincerely appreciated. Well, stepping in today for Jamie Monroy, he is back again. He is the mastermind behind Queen. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at Queen on Facebook. It is my good friend indeed. It is the mystery man himself, Noah and Fine. Noah, thanks for coming in on such short notice. It is sincerely appreciated. Uh, my pleasure. But that countdown clock with Restream, I, I felt like either I had 29 seconds to give the bonus round question answer or I don't know, there's something suspenseful coming up like a bomb was about to go off or something. Well, funny you should mention that because on the back end of the show, we'll be talking about a show that actually does utilize a bonus round in Jeopardy. We'll talk about the decision that was finally made with Jeopardy on its future Mm. of the host. And we'll talk about that on the back end of the program. Plus also as well today, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2, which premieres now. You can see it right now, available on Paramount+. Plus. We'll be reviewing, with some spoilers added, What If Episode 1. We're going to be talking a little bit about my time with the Back for Blood beta and if it is truly a successor to Left for Dead 2. And also I mentioned, of course, Jeopardy! Don't Breathe! Don't Breathe 2 is coming out this weekend to the box office, so we're going to talk about that. And a major movie change by a few weeks because of what's going on with the coronavirus that we're going to talk about on the show as well. But first, my friend, Ryan Reynolds is back on the big screen. His last movie was The Hitman's Wife, Bodyguard. But this movie coming around is something that is, I think, going to, well, if all holds well, and maybe we can go ahead and talk about that on the show, is Free Guy, which places him as an NPC that suddenly becomes very smart about the world the game world around him. So I want to hear your thoughts. Free Guy is hitting theaters. It is not a day and date with Disney Plus or Hulu, which is something that Disney made in advance and decided not to go ahead and make a day and date anywhere else. It is a day and date only to theaters. I want to hear your thoughts on a movie that we've talked about on the show for over a year now, seemingly. It is Free Guy. It's Ryan Reynolds. So you have me right there. But what I think was also going to make this work is that it, it, it almost 
is up there with the Lego movie and Wreck-It Ralph, where you have a character that's in a fictional world that wants to be or do something else and go against the status quo. But what makes this interesting is, as you said, he's an NPC character in a video game. And he now realizes he's part of a video game. And he still wants to be... It, it's still Ryan Reynolds as Ryan Reynolds playing Ryan Reynolds. I'm for this. I'm not upset that it's not going to be on Disney Plus for 30 bucks or Hulu. To go out to the theaters for this, I would almost say no. But for Ryan Reynolds, it's a shut up and take my money ordeal. I think he's very quick-witted. I loved him in everything that he's been in. Yeah, this is a movie that, if we have a chance, I do want to see if we can review in the next couple of days. Well, we'll see what happens with that. And this is a movie that was almost a casualty because of the Fox-Disney merger that happened. Disney bought areas of Fox, that, and that guy had that transferred over. And this is technically a Fox, 20th Century Fox film. It's one of the last that they have, or currently that they have, in the in the vault right there. So it's something that has been sitting on the shelf for quite some time. I do like the fact that Ryan Reynolds was given a little bit of leeway in regards to how to promote it, which, again, if you saw out there, there were previews and, and things of that nature, interviews, and the way he was able to go ahead as Deadpool, go mm. ahead and promote this film. In fact, there was one with Taika Waititi's Korg, which is actually, if you think about it, technically – Deadpool's first entrance into the canonized MCU. Technically, that's what they're saying, but Marvel went ahead and approved it. Disney went ahead and approved it. They did not approve one of Ryan Reynolds' ideas, which I thought was also funny, which is where he would interview the hunter that killed Bambi's mother. And I think that <laughs> I think that was probably a best decision that was made right there. Although I know that it would have gone very dark and very humorous real quickly with Ryan Reynolds, him interviewing and actually turning on the side of the hunter and being on his side. I think there was a way he was, he categorized it, but yeah, Disney kind of nixed that, but free guy is an adventure in the video game realm. It's a fictionalized video game that's being run by Taika Waititi that, that he created or at least this company that's, that's running it. And in this movie, he goes ahead and just becomes aware of his surroundings with the help of a character, a player that is in the game that's played by a real person in real life that he falls for in the game. So I want to hear your thoughts, man, and as we close out to the other big movie that's coming out this weekend, I want to hear your thoughts on how you think Free Guy will do because right now a lot of people are not thrilled about going back to the theater. We saw an initial jump with movies like Black Widow, F9, but the box office has not been able to sustain itself. Even the great reviews by you, myself, and critical applause all over the place for The Suicide Squad did not get everybody out to the years. In fact, it disappointed at a little over $25 million in its first weekend at the domestic box office here in the U.S., so... I want to hear your thoughts on the prospects. This is not being weighed down by a day and date by a streaming service. Do you think this movie can make it on its own out in the theaters in the middle of a pandemic? Excellent question. You know, here's the thing. Ever since this movie came out, the internet exploded and there's been nothing but positivity. There are some people out there that have some negative thoughts. They do want to go out to the theater. They do want to support this film. They don't want this franchise or whatever you want to call it to wither and die 
there are people that did enjoy the story, the actors. They thought it was a lot tighter, a lot stronger. It's not. I, I think the problem is, if you talk about the media, I think because they're people are so concerned about what's going on with the virus that they're afraid on certain times that they want to go out and see this movie. I could go out and see it opening morning. I could see it later in the day. I think it's that they want to make sure that people are going in certain crowds. And I don't know if they're still separating the seats. I don't know if you can reserve a seat. I'm a little confused about that. But the bottom line is, for, upon my research, and I did do this research through Warner Brother executives, they have no plans on having this movie fizzle and fade away. They do have more well, plans. Well, this is for Disney and Fox. Yes. No, yeah. Warner Brothers. Right. Well, I'm, I'm saying I don't think even Warner Brothers would do that either. I'm sure any of these movie the, these studios do not want anything to fizzle out. But I also feel that you really can't force anybody into the theaters either. It, it, it weighs on that people do want to still go for that movie-going experience, but there are concerns with the virus. I'm one of them because I'm susceptible, so I have to be very careful. It's not an easy answer. It's, it's not. not it's, it's not, and I'm not trying to make it an easy answer because it's a, a question everybody needs to ask themselves about you know, going and stepping back into the theaters. I have – I did see like, – like I said before, I saw Black Widow in the theaters. We were okay with that, but the climate has changed since then. And right now, to me, I think it was a little bit of a faux pas that they didn't put it on Disney+. Plus. Although eventually when it comes out in, what, 45, 60 days, which is now the transition time for a movie that is not day and date, seems to be about 30 to 45 days, it looks like it may go towards Hulu, which I think is a mistake in and of itself because Hulu has not progressed with an audience similar to what Disney Plus has. Disney Plus is 160 million strong as of what was just reported today by the head of Disney in its investors call for this period of time for this previous quarter. So to me, getting this movie out there to the largest audience possible seems like a natural, but as you and I both know, Disney is very protective about what it puts on to the Disney plus platform. Well, that's why I get confused because I'm also seeing that in Ireland and in the UK, you're putting The Walking Dead on Disney Plus, and I don't know why. Is that Disney it. Plus or their version of the Star Network? Because the Star Network is something that's a conglomerate of all their stuff: ESPN, Hulu, Disney Plus. Yeah. That's They'd all said, under one network. That's a, yeah. that's that's it's pitched around the world in other locations outside the U.S., which to me is a big problem because I would love that concept. Here, they're trying in this in this country, they're just trying to pitch. Hey, have ESPN Plus, have Hulu, and have Disney Plus all in one package, but we're not going to call it one thing. Just have the pack, you know, have a package for a bundle price. To me, it would just make much more sense, but I think that's probably what you're seeing there because the Star Network, what it does is it combines local programming plus all those other programs under one roof, and it does allow for more adult content, and it does have ways that people can go ahead and access that content without showing younger individuals my understanding looks like it shows that it's disney plus somehow at least it's doing it internationally but there's a lot of disney stuff that's being shown internationally that apparently outside the u.s they can get away with but my point being is that when it comes to any movie 
theater franchise or any studio that wants to release a film because of this virus and because people are skeptical of going back to the theater and now with the Delta virus, you know what? I, I remember reading, and, and I think we discussed this. I remember reading 15, 20 years ago that you were going to get to pay between 25 to $50 to see a new release on video on demand and going out to the theater. I think unless it's something that you really have to go and see, I don't know if many people want to see Free Guy virus or not. Well, I, I think because of Ryan Reynolds, but they're going to say, but it's the virus. It's not really a major movie. And I feel that way too. My problem is it's not a huge blockbuster in IMAX, but when it comes down to the virus, is it going to kill the movie-going experience? Yeah, I predict because of people being nervous, scared, worried, I think eventually it is going to be everything, you know, VOD. And we'll talk about that on the back end of the show when it concerns a major movie that got bumped back due to coronavirus concerns with the Delta variant and all that. But yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to the numbers for Free Guy. You know, in a normal environment, this is something that might have like a 40 or $50 million opening, but I have a feeling that it probably won't even do the numbers that Suicide Squad did last week. I would be very surprised if it did. I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility, but I don't think even with the fact that it's the only way to see it is on the theaters, I don't think it's going to make a huge impression just because everybody's fearful right now of the virus. And that also speaks not so well of another movie that's coming out, and that's Don't Breathe 2 with one of my favorite actors and the only reason I would ever see Avatar again, Stephen Lang, who did a sensational performance in that movie and also the original Don't Breathe movie. That hits theaters this weekend. It is not garnering the same outstanding reviews that the first movie did because, you know, it's a sequel and it's very hard to go ahead and recapture that same type of horror magic in this case as its predecessor. So your thoughts on this? I mean, your guy I always bring in every year for horror movies and the Don't Breathe series. I don't know if you can categorize it as a horror if you should categorize it as a horror, but still the first one charmed a lot of audiences. The second one looks like it's not going to do as well, but that's a lower cost movie. So it's a lower risk for the studio. Well, that's also because that was a hidden gem. That was a diamond in the rough. I mean, he had three people that tried to break in and, you know, the attacker turned the tables and predator became the prey. And that's what made it work so well. I don't want to be a wet blanket. I do want to think positive. I think it was a great concept. I really do. I think it was an awesome concept. Oh, and you know, in Hollywood, when they have a great concept that does well financially, which those low-budget horror movies tend to do under normal circumstances, you know you got to make a sequel, man. Well, and that's the thing, though, because it's such an original idea. But, you know, I, I think the reason why Nightmare works so well and the reason why Friday the 13th works so well for me is because you had a group of kids that I really liked and was rooting for. And maybe I hit a wall here or there when they went down like a peg. And the fact that Freddy Krueger had a personality and Jason had creative ways on killing his, you know, killing the campers. This was, uh, you know what this reminds me of, in all honesty? Don't Breathe, I think, is more of elevated horror. I feel that it's not the jump scare and it's definitely not the slasher. It's more of elevated. And if you like something like The Lighthouse, Don't Breathe is definitely up there. Or 
you're next. Okay. That, that's yeah, that that's the one I was thinking of. I thought you were gonna say the one with the house in the cabin, or uh, you know, of course, the famous one with Chris Hemsworth. That was completely cabin in the different. woods. Yeah, cabin in the woods. Yes, cabin in the woods. Yes. No, don't breathe. Kind of reminds me a little bit of your next, and and the the two elevated horror movies I discussed. I'm rooting for it, but it's not making me. Tra- I mean, on the other hand, you know what? I'm a gambler because I complained about the sequel to Ouija. And I actually enjoyed the sequel to Ouija. So stranger things have happened. I don't know if I'm going to review it with you right now. Uh, maybe we may save it for October down the road. Yeah. But would I go and see it because I am a vlogger and podcaster? Or would I go see it because I'm a fan of the genre? And that's a tough one, virus or not, you know. And I would say, again, when it comes to sequels to horror films... Sometimes they surprise me, and sometimes they have to make a quick buck. And this is going to be an interesting one because, again, I could go back and say well, the Ouija sequel did well, and I think that came out of nowhere, and, I, and it was an original. So if that could work, maybe it could work for Don't Breathe too. Stranger Things Have Happened. Stranger Things Have Happened indeed, but it definitely sounds like that. Although the first one was done for artistic and creative reasons with a great concept, the second one, it looks like it's just after a quick buck. But I'll tell you what, my friend, I'm not expecting big numbers from it as well. Because right now what's going on with the coronavirus, it's going to scare a lot of people away. Sorry, pardon the pun. But what are your thoughts out there on Free Guy and also as well, Don't Breathe Too? Are you going to go and head out to the theaters this weekend to go ahead and check out one or both of these movies? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Okay, wait. Wait, I, I can go invisible, right? Because this is, this is the absolute worst. You can so, certainly try. Okay, so that is, um, uh, that's uh, obver, obvination? Ob- ob- <laughs> Close obvers- enough. Ovulation? It's obfuscation. Roll your dice. Okay. So I didn't get anything over a five, but you that can... You are still naked. Oh, God. The music stops and everyone is looking directly at you, oh. judging. Oh, God. This is... The Prince of the City looks very disappointed in you. Okay, this is worse than the dreams that I have about being naked at work. There has to be something that I can do. Vampires in Vitae, a Vampire the Masquerade actual play podcast. Season two, coming soon to Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, my friend, there's still much more to talk about on this week's program, including the return of one of the best shows that's out there, I think, right now, as far as animated is concerned. That's not named Rick or Morty or South Park. It is Star Trek Lower Decks, a show which for me was a really smooth burn, and it took a couple episodes, but I really got into season one, something I highly recommend, and one of the best reasons that's out there to go ahead and check out Paramount+. Plus. That has returned for season two on Paramount+. Plus. I'm looking forward to catching the episode this weekend and making sure that I go ahead and check that out. Your thoughts on Star Trek Lower Decks? It is something that not everybody has caught because the Star Trek IP, because it's now isolated in this Paramount+, Plus, which is not as large as the other streaming outlets, it really doesn't get all the notoriety that it should. But I definitely think it should Discovery has been a big hit for a lot of people for Paramount Plus, even though it still has had issues transitioning over when it's been shown on primetime on broadcast networks. It is still a very good show. Star Trek Picard, 
is Star Trek Picard. It's out there. Uh, I had a lukewarm reaction to it. I still am looking forward to seeing what how Q can go ahead and become part of that universe in season two for that show. There are two other shows that are on the way, one for Nickelodeon and then one for also as well for Paramount Plus that's going to extend the live action universe even more. And also the animated version for kids out there as well. But your thoughts on Star Trek Lower Decks, did you get a chance to check out season one? And what are your hopes are for season two? Oh, just surprised me. You know what? I felt at first, well, let's give the Red Shirts a TV show. And then we're just going to give, as again, Lower Decks. They're going to give all the lower-ranking officers who do all the grunge work in the USS Enterprise a show. And you know what? I'm smiling. See? I'm happy. Well, we got Jerry O'Connell, first of all, which I think is a very underrated actor. You got Jack Quaid. Yes, a great job with the voice and Fred Tastacor, who for a while took, I think he still is the voice of uh, Fred Flintstone. Well, you know, he he took over a few years ago. He's done a lot of voices, a very talented man. And again, what am I expecting season two? Surprise me. I mean, look, Rick and Morty, I know you're not a huge fan of. I'm not going to say them fight words. I still enjoy the show. I think Rick and Morty is fine. I have no problems with it. I enjoy it. Oh, you don't think, I, yeah, I never said anything about that. I said, uh, I said it's good. I said it's, it's, you know, I've enjoyed it. I don't think it's, I think it's super witty. Sometimes it's too, a little too witty at times for its own good, but it, it really actually uh, does flow this per- current season, which is almost on its season ending and season finale coming up here soon. Uh, I mean, it's, it's closed out the season very well. So I have no problems with Rick and Morty. I think it's a very solid show and a, I know that because of it, I mean, the Marvel Universe has benefited greatly from its writers transitioning over from one to the but other. But do you think Do you think this is a diamond in the rough, though? Oh, this is a, definitely a diamond in the rough. I mean, there's not a lot of people that have seen Star Trek Lower Decks. Well, what I'm saying is, is that I'm not it, saying that you, I'm because not Because of its location, like, Paramount Plus right. in itself is is not a destination. I mean, the, the big Super Bowl ads aside, it has not become a preeminent destination in the midst of your competing against apple tv plus netflix hulu you're you're competing against all these other bigwigs hbo max you're competing against all these other different streaming outlets it's been very difficult for paramount plus to find its own niche and if you are a star trek fan it's a must but outside of that it's really hard for people to go ahead and suggest paramount plus even with the some of these cbs shows transitioning over to try and bolster it out Right. I'm not saying you don't like Rick and Morty. I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that if you had a choice right now between Rick and Morty or this. Oh, I choose Star you, Trek Lower Decks. Right. That's uh, that's what I'm saying. What buy, I'm saying buy is, a nose. Buy a nose. It's uh, right. Yeah. Right. That's what, I, what, I, what I'm saying is that we're both fans. I'm just saying that if you had a choice right. between Rick and Morty or Star Trek Lower Decks, what do you think is the more underrated, unappreciated gem right now, the one that may work more for Oh, that? yeah, that's definitely Star Trek Lower Decks. Yeah, I mean, just, the, just the fact that, you know, Rick and Morty is out there. Rick and Morty is, you know, created a quite a stir on Adult Swim. It's created a, a full line of merchandise. And, I mean, it's created a whole bunch of it. I mean, they were in the Space Jam movie, for goodness sakes. I mean, right. they, they have created their own niche as far as pop culture is concerned that Star Trek Lower Decks has yet to achieve. I mean, right now, Star Trek Lower Decks could be just a few thousand viewers away from being canceled. We don't know that, but it's just, it seems to me like it still needs to build an audience. 
it got a blessing in, to have a season two, but it's just not something that everybody's caught yet because of where it's located and the fact it's not the highest profile show, even though it should be on that streaming outlet. Well, that's my point, and that's and that's what I'm trying to say because I know that everybody knows Rick and Morty and it has such high standards, and if there's a bad episode, people complain. The problem is, though, is that Star Trek – if it wasn't for at first of all star trek it's not like it has been canceled or, or a series has been canceled and people wanted it to come back but again there are two shows that i could think of besides rick and morty that are underrated and unappreciated this is one of them and the other one is a show that found its way i think in adult swim final space so i feel that as great as rick and morty is if it wasn't for something like star trek and let's be honest we haven't had a star trek animated series for like since the six seventies, I think. If, if yeah, when the original crew went back and right. they did a few episodes. Uh, right. I mean, I mean, Rick and Morty is nice to respect the genre, but I always felt that if it weren't for something like Star Trek, we wouldn't have Futurama or Rick and Morty or Final Space or even this. Well, so the I fact really... that Star Trek, the folks at Star Trek are doing something like this, which is totally off the beaten path from what they've ever done and approached before coming at it from a comedic standpoint, coming at it from a satirical standpoint, coming at it at just totally blowing away any expectations. If a Star Trek fan has never seen it and then just sits down to it, they'll be blown away because this is something completely different. It is in a, very much in the same realm as if Rick and Morty was in the Star Trek universe or The Simpsons or South Park because anything on the show is liable to happen or they're willing to pick on any aspect of the Star Trek universe that they like. Well, that's what I'm saying, and that's my point, because I feel that Star Trek really never got the credit that it was due, that, of course, we got other shows out of the franchise, and we got several movies out of the franchise, but I feel people really forgot what the purpose and point of Star Trek was. Well, you got to remember, though, because it came out before Star Wars, but there came a certain point in time where people asked you to choose sides and draw a line in the sand. What are you, a Star Trek fan or a Star Wars fan? And Star Wars reached an element of pop culture and a level of popularity in the 80s, and even to extend as the prequels got started until everybody realized that they were not that great that they were so much more popular than when the success Star Trek has ever received. I mean, when you look at the box office numbers, I don't think that ever, ever any Star Trek movie has ever grossed $500 million worldwide at the box office, as opposed to right now, a Star Wars movie, if it only did $500 million, aka Solo, it's considered a financial failure. So it's right there for you. I mean, Star Trek, it has, it's, it's aged, and well, in some ways, because I love the Star Trek reboot that was made in 2008. Just cannot th say enough of good things about it. And I'm hoping that the new Star Trek that's in development, as far as in movie form, will include that cast. But it also has not been or popularized to the point where it can approach what Star Wars has done. Well, that's what I'm saying. And I think the problem is, is that Star Trek probably was a little bit too technical and yes. way too ahead of its time. Because they really were more about exploration. And Star Wars is having this intergalactic war, and then another one, and nothing's ever resolved. Star Wars so, told simpler stories. Well, yeah, I, I think the problem is that even if you play a Star Trek video game, everything is way too technical. And I think that's one of the problems. This one seems to be having a little bit more fun with it. And I oh, kind of yes. yeah, so. yeah, and, and I think 
I think if there were a way that if you could bring in, I don't know if there's any remaining cast members that want to guest on here, but if you had the next generation, at least Brent Spiner. Oh, you do. Well, I'm saying, I'm saying that for something for another season. I'm well, not you just do, saying you do have number one, and you have Deanna Troy. They're both in, included in as far as Star Trek Lower Decks are concerned. I would, I would just like to see a little more. In other words, I would, I would okay. really like to see. I would like to see like a huge crossover again, like they did with Family Guy, where they had the entire cast with Stewie. I would like to see something like that. Okay. You know, or or even even, you know, Galaxy Quest. I know was kind of paying homage to to early Star, Star Trek. Trek. Yeah, I, I I'd like to see. In other words, I'm not just looking for one or two cast members to to walk in. I think a full reunion with at least some of the characters from Next Generation, and some from Deep Sea Nine, some from Enterprise, and Voyager. I think that would be fun. Well, we'll see what happens, my friend. But it is. A great show that I have a very high opinion of, and I'm going to be so glad to check it out this weekend. It is season two of Star Trek Lower Decks. I'm looking forward to it. I know Noah Ian Fine is looking forward to it as well. And yes, it is Star Trek, but it's a fun way to go ahead and get you initiated into Star Trek. It pokes fun at all aspects of the Star Trek universe. It's a good time. It's a good watch. So if you want to go ahead and it's not heavily detailed or technical, it's just a lot of fun. It's if you wanted to go ahead and watch one of those crazy animated shows in a Star Trek universe. So please check out, if you can, on Paramount+. Plus. It is Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2. And share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, we're going to be talking about a lot of great things, including Back for Blood. I had a chance to go ahead and check out the beta. My thoughts on this game coming out in October. Jeopardy has a couple new hosts. We do unfortunately have a movie date change to talk about. And what if Disney Plus has a new Marvel show? And that we'll go ahead and talk about. We'll be doing that coming up after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Big on America. Hey guys, this is Jason Dutch with Dig on America Podcast. And I'm here with... Big Hops. And I'm also here with... Mikey Famine. Dig on America here, we explore how American history, policies, and sometimes even our pop culture created the social and political issues facing Americans today. You can check out our website, digonamerica.com. We're on every single audio podcast app there is out there, Pandora, Spotify, etc. Subscribe on YouTube. You can check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash DOA podcast. Hopefully you'll listen to the show, guys. Dig on America. And we're back with the show. It's the PC Multiverse. I'm here along with my good friend, Noe and Fine. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Noah, before we hit you up on What If, I want to hear your thoughts on the latest movie date change, which is not only affecting one, but two movies, at least so far, as we report this, and that Sony moved the latest Venom movie, Let There Be Carnage, that is being changed from a late September release to a mid-October release, I think, right now. So right now, because of what's going on with the virus, so right now it's October 15th. And off the schedule is Transylvania 4. That's been placed off the schedule for now because they it was supposed to be a Halloween movie. And now those kind of movies are really not going to be gelling well in the middle of a pandemic. But I want to hear your thoughts on Let There Be Carnage. It's moved slightly. Do you expect it to move back even more? 
Well, let there actually be a movie in a movie theater on time. Uh, I don't think this would have worked as a September release. An October release maybe makes more sense because technically with Venom and Carnage, it would give more to the Halloween feel, I suppose. On the other hand, I know why Sony is doing this, but I'm concerned that somehow they're going to use the virus as an excuse to push this to next year. I, I have a feeling they're going to make this an excuse to make this a summer release now because well, it's still I can't say I blame them because okay, we're talking F nine, we're talking Venom, Let There Be Carnage, we're talking Black Widow, we're talking all these movies, Free Guy, which is coming out this weekend, talking about the Jungle Cruise. These are all 150, 180, 200 million dollar movies that cost these studios a lot of money which are never in these current circumstances going to recoup any of that money as far as breaking even or even turning a slight profit. That's not even close. So that's why they're making the decision to push these movies back, do them day and date. I'm sad as a viewer and as a fan that they actually have to do these things. But if I'm running the company and I'm seeing these $200 million films and I'm sending them out there to basically or essentially get maybe break even at best, that's not a good proposition, my friend. Well, isn't there also another big red creature that got suspended indefinitely? What was that, Clifford the Big Red Dog? I mean, yes, there's a lot yes. of movies that are getting pushed back. The problem is this was something that a lot of comic book fans wanted to see on the big screen, Venom versus Carnage. Well, right uh, now I, they still can. I mean, as right, I right. Now, still but, but for now, October. you know what? It's not bad because if it does come out in October, it'll feel like, when was the last time we really got a good horror film in October? You know, that that's a plus right there. Would you uh, categorize this as a horror film? Well, yes, I would, because it's still an alien from outer space that takes over a person's body. And again, Cletus Cassidy as Carnage, well, again, he's blood red and uses his tendrils to... Played by Woody Harrelson. Right, played by Woody Harrelson, of course best known as Mickey in uh, Natural Born Killers. And no, he's best Carnage- known from Woody and Cheers. I would go with Natural Born Killers more, but okay. I'd go with Cheers. And let's not forget, Carnage uses his body parts to kill people. So again, Carnage definitely comes off as, and and not to mention the fact Universal does have their Halloween Horror Nights, where they do have Marvel Superhero Island as Carnage Land, and Carnage is hosting that island. So, on a technicality, could this be a a horror film i've seen the trailer they tried to make it like a horomedy so that wouldn't be a bad thing either i don't it, it feels more of an october movie anyway i'm rolling the dice i'm placing my bets i'm not going to be surprised if sony turns around and says okay it's going to be a february or march release of 2022 but again i digress if it gets pushed back because of the delta virus understandable this is a big budget film i mean these are two very important ips that are going to be on the big screen battling for the first time in live action and we have two great actors you have tom hardy and you have woody harrelson and i think this is a surprise that they're going to have another symbiote character that i'm going to keep a mouth shut because well it's a scream so i feel with all this i'm not blaming sony and unless there's a subscription service or whatever the case may be that Sony wants to find a way that showing out 30 bucks to watch at home. But again, I don't know if you can recoup those losses. So again, this is going to be a gigantic gamble and a loss because I'm sure that if the virus wasn't around, 
this would definitely make a profit. Now, you're right. It's not a good time to be a studio executive. I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. And again, I'm hoping that it stays in October. What was the other one? Hotel Transylvania 4? Yeah, that, that yes, that was been moved off the schedule because it was actually, you know, that was the placeholder date for it when Venom got moved to October 15th. So now that is up in the year on when, if, if, may, that may be actually be pushed back to October of 2022. Yeah, or that could even be, I thought they were summer movies. I got to be honest with you. I watched them at home. I've never well, been to the theater. That one watching. clicks best because of its Transylvania theme right around October. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, um, Adam Sandler was playing the Count for a while. Now I think Brian Hall is voicing the Count. It would have been a great October film. I'll give it that. I have nothing against the Hotel Transylvania series. I can understand that some cities and states are concerned. Some aren't. I don't think it's fair. I think this also should have been a gamble. But you're right. These are very expensive films. I'm making a prediction right now. I feel both Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and Hotel Transylvania are going to get 2022 releases at the last minute. I'm sure sometime in mid-September... Sony is going to make their decision and say, okay, we have to just wait one more year and see what happens. And it's a shame, too, because I was really looking forward to both these films. Well, we'll see what happens with both Hotel Transylvania 4, which is currently off the schedule. And, of course, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which is Carnage, is going to be Woody Harrelson, most famous for Woody in Cheers. I'm sorry. I worked on Natural Born Killers, and I know him more on Cheers, so... You worked on one of my favorite 90s films, you say. Cool. Yeah, well, that's Oliver Stone for you. But yes, yeah, it's it's out there. It's a movie that's out there. That's all yes. I'll say about that one. But I want to hear your thoughts out there, everyone. Is being moved back, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, going to be an issue with you? Or do you think it's a little bit better for what's going on in the current environment? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Before we get into a what-if review from you and also me and our thoughts on the first episode with what if Agent Carter became the next Captain Carter. So we'll talk about that here in a minute. But first off, I did have a chance this past weekend to play in the latest beta for a game that is being done by several members of a former big hit game at Valve, and that's Left 4 Dead 2. This game is very much in similar in scope and idea, and it's called Back for Blood. It's actually going to be released as a full game to consoles and PC in mid-October. Pardon the irony from the last subject we talked about, but it came out with an open beta, and actually we'll have another open beta for PC and stream this weekend as we're speaking. I had a conversation with Josh on our previous taping for the Pop Culture Cosmos for about five minutes on it and my expectations and hopes for it just before I got a chance to jump in to play it. The videos that I've seen kind of looked cool and looked very similar to what I was hoping for from Left 4 Dead 2, one of my most favorite co-op experiences of all time. And then I played it. And then I just didn't get the kind of mass hysteria the confusion that you can get when dozens of zombies are in your face. This was more of a target practice shooting gallery. Pick one off, pick one off, pick one off. You just wait. You know, they're a little bit of bullet. The zombies are bullet sponges, so they take a couple of hits. But it really didn't seem to be something that I couldn't take care of or couldn't control. And that's something that is lost for me from Left 4 Dead 2. Because Left 4 Dead 2, I always didn't have control. I never 
fully had control throughout an entire level because the chaos, the, the amount of chaos that you can get, no matter how well you work together as a team, there's always had something there as far as a witch or a, a boomer or somebody's going to spit bile at you or just the sheer number of, of volume of zombies that was always going to split you up. So you would have to be on your own for a period of time until you get saved or you try to manage the way you get out there and the level of chaos and excitement and just the, the adrenaline rush that you had in Left 4 Dead 2. I just don't find it there yet in Back for Blood. You know, I've played a lot of these horror survival video games. I hate. I haven't had a chance to play this beta, but from what I'm hearing on your end of it, it's a disappointment. It is for now. I mean, it's still in beta, so they yeah, it's in beta. It. It's in beta. Yeah, it's in beta. I, I have not been a huge fan of this franchise. I don't play it as much. I have heard of it. I have played it here and there. The last one I played was the second one out of curiosity but you know i guess it's just going to be a wait and see card i don't yeah, know well, speaking of cards that's another problem i have with it because one of the best things about left for dead 2 was your idea is to go from safe house to safe house and in between the chaos reigns until you finally get at the end of a level or in the end of a stage you get to go ahead and get freed by you either jump in a car or that'll take you to safety or you get in a helicopter that'll take you to safety. But in between, again, a safe house to safe house, safe house, similar to what you do in Back for Blood. The only thing is here that with Left 4 Dead 2, you just basically, you grab your stuff on the go, you grab whatever you can find around you. If you run out of ammunition or a gun that runs out of ammunition, you try to find another gun lying on the ground and pick that up. You go ahead and try and find ammo where you can or a Molotov cocktail or anything like that. Here, you can still do a lot of that. But what they've added in, and I'm assuming, well, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's not going to happen. And that's, you know, some possibility of microtransactions. But in between on the safe house, you can go ahead and go to a menu of an inventory menu where there's cards dished out, loot cards, you know, different types of things that are going to help you either maybe it's health boost or something as far as it help your entire team is concerned. And I'm really not into that, my friend. I just want to get out there and play and kill zombies. And, you know, sitting there for two to five minutes, watching my teammates just sitting there and asking me to go through the motions on which cards I want. That's not really what I had in mind. I had in mind, I just want to go and kill zombies. And that's what I like to do. Yeah, I, I think with all these games right now, it's all about cards or building or even... It, it seems like a setup for something that's going to include microtransactions. I hope I am wrong when the final game comes out, but uh, it seems like it's heading in that direction. I think it's time just to pull the plug on this. Uh, it may have a pulse, it may not. It may rise from the grave, who knows? Who knows, indeed. Pardon the puns that Noah's been dishing out. But I want to hear your thoughts out there. If you got a chance to go ahead and play the Back for Blood beta... Again, it was not as fast-paced, not as chaotic, and with the cars that were included, not quite as involving. It takes you literally out of the game from time to time, which is kind of disappointing. But I want to hear your thoughts on your time, if you got a chance to, for Back for Blood. And if you're still excited for Turtle Rock's upcoming game, Turtle Rock is famous again. A lot of the individuals there were responsible for creating one of the most awesome co-op shooters that's out there, Left 4 Dead 2. They're trying to go ahead and revive a lot of that with Back for Blood. This game will be coming out in its full version in mid-October. Right now, it's scheduled to anyways. So we'll see what happens with that. But I want to hear your thoughts out there. If you had some time at the beta and your thoughts overall initially 
on Back for Blood, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Well, my friend, before we head on out, what if, what if episode one debuted this week on Disney Plus? I already saw your social media, so I have a general idea on mine on what you thought of it, but I want to hear your thoughts initially. If you can go ahead and tell everybody out there I know what you thought of What If, but as this one, and we are going to go into spoilers, and it is about What If Agent Carter from the TV series and also the original Captain America movie, what if she headed into to get the super serum and became Captain Carter? Okay, we get to see her as Captain America. It's Captain, a what if. Captain. Well, Captain Britain. Carter, you're right. I'm Captain sorry. Carter, yeah. Not yeah, even Captain, Captain Britain, Captain Carter. You're right, Captain Carter, if you please. Fair enough. And we get to see the Hydra Smasher or an early version of War Machine or Iron Man, take your pick. And I do like the fact that Harold Stark almost looks and sounds like a w- Uncle Walt Disney. Well, in this version of the multiverse, not only does Captain Carter get the super serum instead of Steve Rogers, again, due to circumstances, because he gets shot in that initial scene uh, it's just the fact that he does as a, I guess, a supplement get, like you said, from Howard Stark, he gets a suit that's built out like maybe an early Iron Man predecessor as the, as the Hydra Smasher, which, right. which is if in a blink, if you miss it move, which I saw through twice and I still missed it. And I had to actually find out this on the internet that has the Tesseract because early in the show, this movie, okay. This show, this show, this episode takes the events from Captain America, the first Avenger, and puts it in a microcosm within the span of 30 minutes. So it breezes through quite a bit. And one of the things it does instead, it does tweaks here and there to it, obviously with Captain Carter, and but it also takes different aspects of it and tweaks a little bit. And one of the things is that she gets a hold of the Tesseract and turns it into the Allies somehow that we don't know this because it's just barely me even glossed over the red skull gets the tesseract back and again i had to see it twice i missed it and it isn't until it's shown out to me or i catch caught it on the internet that the suit that howard stark made for steve rogers the scrawny small steve rogers before he had ever have gotten a you know the super serum which he doesn't get in this multiverse he it has a Tesseract built in the suit, which unfortunately, a few moments later, he absolutely gets you know, sidetracked on it on that same train that befuddled the individuals that were there in Captain America First Avenger. So, so it, it mirrors a lot what Captain America First Avenger did and changes some tweaks when necessary, but it breezed through the events of it. For me, I have a problem with that because, again, for like if you if you didn't know the Tesseract, you know, 
had, was in that suit, you would have never known that the Tesseract was gone back. You would be asking yourself, like I did, how did the Red Skull get the te Tesseract back? And then it all leads to a, a big cataclysmic scene at the end with Captain Carter battling tentacles. Oh, she battled Shuma Gorareth. And that is a Doctor Strange villain. He was also in the Marvel superhero games in the arcade and PlayStation 1. He was also in Marvel versus Capcom. This is one of the, well, it, 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 in some places it's an HP Lovecraft creation. On the other hand, it is a Doctor Strange villain. I was so glad because this means that when we have Multiverse of Madness, instead of Dormammu, we're going to have Shuma Gororth. And this actually scares Dormammu because he calls it Master. So I was ecstatic. I don't think he could be taken down that easily with, with Captain Carter, but I guess, again, it's a 30 minute what if story. We have it. Where... Which I think is part of the problem because well, they need well, to give it about 10 to 15 more minutes. You're right. It's not, an, it's not an hour, but this is also an animated series. It's a what if. And let me ask you something. I collected the what if comics. I remember them being very short and to the point anyway. Some were a little longer, some were a little shorter. That's just the way how they were written because they were just a bunch of what if stories. In this case, it's what if Agent Carter stayed with Steve and didn't go upstairs? Or what if Agent Carter was there and was able to catch Bucky and he makes the comment, Well, you almost ripped my arm off? He didn't end up in the snow and he didn't lose his arm. These are just a he bunch didn't become of the winter soldier. Right. He didn't become the winter soldier because it, it's all a bunch of what if. And that's what makes me happy. But again, they're, they're gonna they're not going to have the best pacing that they did for something like Loki or WandaVision because this is an animated cartoon. And again, they didn't clearly make as far as the transition from the Allies to the Axis powers, a.k.a. Hydra and the Red Skull, with the Tesseract. They didn't clearly point that out, which had a lot of people guessing why was the Tesseract back in the Red Skull's hands. It was a blink if you miss a moment, so I had an issue with that. Plus, again, they just breezed through so much so quickly. I wish they would have had time to slow down and just tell a little bit more of the story. I would have liked to see more of the interaction between the Steve Rogers character, which was not voiced by Chris Evans, and Haley Atwell, who did end up voicing Captain Carter. Most of the voices from the Marvel Universe did do their respective characters. Toby Jones was in there for 10 seconds to using his voice even. I thought that was really cool that such a small role, Toby Jones was still a part of it. But yeah, to me, it was like I said, overall, it was disappointing and not off to a great start. Captain Carter and Haley Atwell for me was the big highlight of it. And I thought she alone was pretty good on it. But otherwise I thought there was the animation and the voice acting was hit and miss. And that would to me ultimately was makes it a eh, kind of a slow start and slugger start for what if I hear what you're saying. But again, I, this, this is also something like with 2016 suicide squad that if you read the comics and know what these characters are all about, then they're just going to throw it in and not going to care about the pacing. I understand that's going to be the biggest problem. A lot of people complained about that. But my argument is going to be, unfortunately, A, it's a cartoon, and B, it's just what yeah, But the if. thing and is, it's no. but the problem is the producers have said this is now canon. So we will most likely be seeing in some movie down the road Haley Atwell take up the role of Captain Carter in a live-action form. 
they have said that characters from this series, certain characters, not all these characters, but certain characters from these series will be utilized in the live action form down the road. So that's something everybody has to now think about if they want to go ahead and watch this because they have to now because it's considered canon in the MCU. I understand that too, but again, I go back to what I said before. In a 30-minute cartoon, I'm sure they're going to find a way to flesh us out a little bit more in canon. But if they have more time with a 90 or two-hour movie, that's going to be something different from a 30-minute cartoon. Again, if if this was a 10-minute webisode from 15, 20 years ago, it would be even shorter and, and, and worse pacing. It doesn't bother me as much. I, I understand what people are complaining about. I get that. But I'm sure once we see Haley Atwell take up the shield in live action and we do go through the multiverse, I'm sure, I'm, I'm positively sure they will go back, whether it be a flashback or something, where we'll give it more time to breathe. And I, I consider this also a pilot. I, I really do. I, I, I'm sure we, we still have, what is it, eight more episodes to go? I think these are nine episodes. Yeah, I believe yeah, so. Then, yeah, I, I, I mean, let's be honest and fair. This is also the pilot episode. So I'm sure it's going to get a little bit better pacing-wise because I've seen the Marvel Zombie trailer for this, and I've seen T'Challa if he was going to be one of the Ravagers. So again, I'm sure that the episodes will get a little bit better in the weeks to come. Again, for me, it was hit and miss, but I'm still hopeful that we're going to go ahead and see some great things down the road in coming episodes, and we'll keep on reporting it to you right here at The Pop culture cosmos what are your thoughts out there on the first episode of what if please share us your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com my friend it's been a great episode but one last topic to discuss and what could that be all right the answer is what is jeopardy's new host Uh... or who are jeopardy's new hopes Because they did make the final announcement. We did talk about it on the Monday show, Josh and I, in regards to the possibilities. And at that time, it was going to be executive producer Mike Richards coming down off that former game show host himself and the controversy that was surrounding him, some of the things he said, did in the past have come up to as far as also the work environment that he created. A lot of that has come into question. Well, they did announce officially that Mike Richards will be the day-to-day host of the Jeopardy experience beginning with the season 38 premiere on September 13th. But they also announced for anything primetime because they do a lot of primetime shows for now and then because that's money and that's also very much ratings that comes to Jeopardy. They also talked about a guest host that appeared for a while earlier this year Mayim Bialik, who you know is Blossom, and you also know from the Big Bang Theory, she is also going to be the host on these primetime outings. So when it goes to primetime, it's going to be Mayim Bialik. And then, of course, when it goes to day-to-day, if you're watching the syndicated program, that's going to be Mike Richards. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on this. This is a big decision. I'm not big on Mike Richards. I thought that decision was poor. Maya Bialik, I think she's very solid. She, her time, I got a chance to see footage of her in that role. Thought she was solid on it. Still, my favorite was LeVar Burton. Thought he should have been given that role. The public out there, the internet, it was just a happy marriage if he would have gotten it because it's something he wanted, the internet wanted, and the, and the people out there and the fans out there wanted, and they just didn't get it. But your thoughts on the new Jeopardy hosts? Well, here's the thing. I'm glad that 
Amy Farrell Fowler is the primetime host. I like her. Love her. I, I think she's smart, funny, perky. She's fun. Mike Richards, you know what? This is going to be student controversy. I know people complained about LeVar for a couple reasons that he didn't look like he was prepared or he was... I thought he did during... good. I was. Well, I, I'm just, I'm just telling you what what people had said on. Um, well, a lot of people it, that were was... just all on social media no, no, were also okay. tell, praising him as well. I look. It was split down the middle with Lavar. Okay, but here's the bottom line: Alex is always going to be irreplaceable. I know people oh, yeah. kind of hope. Yeah, I, I, I mean, come on. This is not going to be an easy decision. Even if we got Ken Jennings, even if we got Buzzy, it, it, it doesn't seem to matter. This is a very tough decision, but Mike Richards, really? No, I was not a fan of his as hosting. I'm not going to watch when he's on. If Miami Bialik is on there, I will watch her. I'm sure people are going to protest until – because, you know, if you have a Twitter account, then you have the power. It, it's better than a Nieselin rating at this point. So, again, I, I wouldn't be too surprised that in a few months if LeVar does come back, but or Miami gets the the spot full time. Why I give it to give it to Miami? I mean, seriously, you know, I, I guess if you have a Twitter account and you complain the most, you know, mountains will be moved. Uh, only time is going to tell, and it's going to tell in the ratings. But I always said that once Alex was gone, I wasn't going to watch anymore, and it's very hard to watch without him. So well, with Alex Trebek, I mean, it takes two individuals to go ahead and try and just even come close to being exactly. Well, let me ask you a question. I know this has nothing to do with anything, but again, when Patsy Jack had to take time off Wheel of Fortune, Vanna White was hosting, and that was bizarre. Or when Bob Barker couldn't do Prices Right anymore, Drew Carey stepped in. Was it ever the same? No. But it, he it, still it, gets it, ratings, and he still does the show. I get that. I understand that. But, you know, unfortunately, maybe it's me. I'm just nostalgic. That, well, the that's problem is me. now Drew Carey's been doing it so long, there's a generation of viewers that only know that Drew Carey does The Price is Right. Well, actually, you know what? Then I take that back then with Drew Carey because he's been there for so long. You're right. You know, now when he leaves, people are going to probably write him, probably the show, and who knows? But it's weird. You know, it, it's just I know people, you like change or you don't. But I, I guess only time is going to tell. 2022 is going to be a very interesting year. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking in the game show world and the movie world and TV world. So I guess we'll find out. We will find out indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on the new Jeopardy hosts? Not one, but two. And Mike Richards and Mayim Bialik, who you know from Blossom and the Big Bang Theory. Share us your thoughts on if you approve of one or both of these new Jeopardy hosts. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for being part of it. As always, any last thoughts on the way out? Yes. Again, and I'm going to make this as clear again as humanly possible because I'm not putting words in anybody's mouths here. Rick and Morty, great show, but let's be honest and fair. It can't hold a candle to Star Trek for what Star Trek did all those years ago. So I feel that... Star Trek Lower Decks is a very underrated show. And let us not forget that What If I feel does have legs. And the fact that we got Chuma Gurth as an appearance only makes me happy to see what they're going to do. Because you can tell that What If is laying the ground for none other than the multiverse. So I'm happy. This is all leading up to Doctor Strange. You can tell. Yes. And I, for one, cannot wait for that. 
I can't wait for it either, my friend. Looking forward to it, and I know you are as well. So for knowing and fine, this is Gerald Glassman. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great